This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, weekend political warriors. A lot going on in Lansing this week, especially the 2020 state budget, which has been sent to Governor Gretchen Whitmer by the Michigan legislature with Monday, the last day of the current fiscal year, looming and possible vetoes. And we'll find out what else might happen as a result of the governor's response to the legislature's budget. But I want to, first of all, look back to this past weekend when the Michigan Republican Party had their 33rd biennial Mackinac Island Leadership Conference. And we are very fortunate to have with us today Tony Zamet, who is Director of Communications for the Michigan Republican Party. And he was there. He was on the island. Welcome, Tony Zamet. It's a pleasure. Now, I just want to ask you, well, how many of these have you been to in the past? Maybe none. Maybe this was your first. I don't know. Tell me, and how did this one stack up? No, I, I'm kind of old hat at this. Uh, my first one was way back when I was in college in 2003. So I've, I think this was my fourth conference overall. Um, this was by far the best I, I think we've had in the conferences that I've been going to. Uh, we had our first sitting vice president to ever attend a conference uh, for us. Uh, and so it was a very exciting event. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, was also in attendance. Uh, she gave an amazing speech. There's a lot of uh, enthusiasm from our base uh, for what happened this weekend. We're very proud of the conference that we were able to uh, pull off this year. Yeah, now, Vice President Mike Pence's arrival on the island, uh, that got a lot of coverage in social media, maybe more than it deserved, because uh, he eschewed, let's put it that way, um, the uh, horse-drawn buggy, which uh, supposedly is uh, de rigueur, as the French would say, absolutely essential on the island. Um, No motorized transportation is supposed to be allowed, but they helicoptered in eight huge black limousines, uh, and he had a motorcade to the Grand Hotel. Was there much conversation about that among the delegates to the conference? I think you had about 1,400. I know in the media got a lot of attention. What did the uh, people there, the attendees, actually think about all that? You know, I think with our conference attendees uh, and people outside of the media, I think they get it. I mean, we live in a post-9-11 world, uh, and those decisions aren't made by the party. Those decisions aren't even made by the vice president. Those decisions are made by the Secret Service, uh, whose job is to do anything they need to do to keep the vice president of the United States safe and secure. Um, The media wants to kind of talk about these things as they do with anything the uh, Trump administration does. They want to make it into an issue that's not necessarily an issue. Um, And I think most people who... uh, know how these things work, kind of get that that's a decision that is made by the Secret Service and not by the vice president or the party. What about the vice president's speech? Uh, Was he pretty upbeat about President Donald Trump's ability to win Michigan again in 2020? Oh, absolutely. I think the campaign uh, has spent a lot of time here in Michigan. They've worked really hard on issues that involve our state and involve our workforce. You look at Uh, Some of the trade negotiations that have gone on that the White House has spurred on, 
I think that's led to a lot of the investment we've seen over the last year here in Michigan when it comes, especially to the automotive sector. Right now, we've got over $6 billion being pledged by the big three to be reinvested here in Michigan, including the first auto plant in the city of Detroit in 30 years going to open up that FCA is going to open. Um, So I I think that um, the campaign is very optimistic about their chances here in Michigan. The vice president's speech was phenomenal. Um, He was upbeat. He was exciting. Um, Not always something you hear about the vice president that he was – Funny, but he was he was in great spirits, and I think that they're very optimistic about their chances here in Michigan. Another speaker was uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is the minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a congressman from California, and if the Republicans could regain control of the U.S. House next year, uh, he would probably be the next speaker succeeding Nancy Pelosi. So I'm just kind of curious, did he talk about uh, the chances of retaking the House, particularly after Michigan Republicans lost two seats in the U.S. House from Michigan last year in the 8th and 11th congressional districts? Did he talk about any of that? He did. He actually laid out a little bit of his plan for retaking the House and the math that's going to be required to do that. Um, You look at the seats that the Democrats won in 2018, a lot of them are inherently Republican seats. I think as the minority leader kind of laid out, we're going to take a lot of those seats back in the upcoming election. And here in Michigan, we're optimistic about our chances in both 8 and 11. I think that uh, you look at Flocken and Stevens, some of the things they've done here recently, uh, especially jumping on this impeachment bandwagon before we even had uh, the transcript release. I think that they uh, are kind of starting to show their true colors. Uh, Alyssa Slotkin, for example, a few months back, uh, touted the fact in, that she was actually more liberal than uh, Ocasio-Cortez. So I, I think we as Republicans have a good chance to retake those seats, which, as I said earlier, are inherently Republican. What about former Michigan Republican chair Ronna Romney-McDaniel? I think she was on the island, wasn't she? Didn't she talk she, to she was not, unfortunately. Uh, her schedule didn't work this year where she could come. Uh, obviously, though, she's been back here in Michigan quite a bit uh, to support the efforts of the Michigan Republican Party and support the uh, president, what he's doing here in the state. Right. What about the panel discussions? Uh, did you sit in on any of those? I know you had a tough time. You had a lot to do, uh, so it may have been difficult to get around. There were so many panel discussions, but what did you hear on those? I I did. I I thought we had some great panels. We had a panel, our traditional pundits and pollsters panel, kind of outlining what's going on in the state. But we also had a a phenomenal panel with uh, veterans who are now serving in uh, the state legislature or in Congress. And it not only showed the dedication of each person on the panel, uh, Jack Bergman was on it, as well as uh, Dan Crenshaw from Congress, uh, Jason Wentworth from the State House, and Tom Barrett from the Senate were also on there. But not only did they talk about uh, what got them into service, but they talked about a lot of the issues that are facing our veterans, uh, especially things like when you come back, the extreme loneliness you sometimes feel coming back from a war zone and some of the issues facing um, the health care issues that face veterans that I think that we as a country don't often hear enough about. And these are not inherently partisan issues that I think Um, we can work together with Democrats to try to solve some of the problems facing our veterans. Well, if you didn't have National Republican Chair 
Rana McDaniel there. You at least had a former Michigan Republican chair, only now she's the Secretary of Education in the Donald Trump cabinet, and that's Betsy DeVos. And I saw something the other day I could hardly believe with the huge turnover there has been in the cabinet under Donald Trump. I think she's like the senior most or one of the senior most members of the cabinet right now. I mean, along with, you know, maybe Rick Perry, uh, whatever. Uh, She gave a talk, too. Uh, Did you uh, have a chance to hear it? I I did. And, you know, we are so fortunate to have Betsy DeVos representing our state in the uh, cabinet. You look at her amazing career when it comes to agitation reform. Um, She's been out there for over 30 years pushing for an ideal I think all people can get behind, which is the idea that a child's zip code should not matter when it comes to the education they receive. And they should have the option to seek out their best educational options. Um, And Secretary DeVos kind of reiterated that in her her speech. And again, I, I think it's Uh, tremendous the work that she has done for education reform as a a person who, in my youth, uh, was somewhat filled by public education. Um, I applaud the efforts that she does for uh, the children of this country. Did State Senator Majority Leader um, and the Speaker of the House, Lee Chatfield, uh, Mike Shirky and Lee Chatfield, did they talk? They did. They had a tremendous panel about the growth, opportunity, and prosperity Uh, that we've achieved under the last eight years of Republican legislative leadership. Um, You look at the work that they have done on the budget uh, over the past few months and what we've uh, gotten, which is increased road funding and increased educational funding. uh, And there's no doubt that those two are doing a phenomenal job and representing our party well. Okay, we've got the word from Tony Zaman on the Mackinac Island Republican Conference, the 33rd last weekend. Thank you so much, Tony Zabbitt. Great rundown on what happened up there and how it went over. Thank you, Tony Salmon. Thank you so much, Bill. We'll be back. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back, and we have a great guest here uh, with fresh eyes about uh, a topic we just talked about. She is Beth LeBlanc, and uh, it's a French last name, L, little e, capital B as in boy, L-A-N-C, and she pronounces it LeBlanc. That's the way you should pronounce it. For instance, we've got a city up near Flint called Grand Blanc. And they spell Grand Blank the same way Beth LeBlanc spells her last name, B-L-A-N-C. But they don't pronounce it right. They pronounce it anglicized. So I'm glad to have somebody with the right pronunciation. Beth LeBlanc, thank you for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> the name usually causes a lot of confusion, Bill, but I'm glad I'm glad you've got the right pronunciation. Well, we now. straightened it out. I mean, we've got to get people straightened out. Now, look, I haven't even said who Beth LeBlanc is. She is the chief cook and bottle washer, the only person running the Detroit News Lansing Bureau right now. She's the only game in town because... Because uh, her partner just deserted her for another publication, and she's hoping to get some help. Right now, she's holding down the fort. So, uh, Beth LeBanc, you have been with the news how long now? About two years, maybe? 
Uh, a little under two years, about a year and a half. Okay. So, well, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. And, uh, boy, you've got a job on your hands. If you've got to cover all that's going on in Michigan politics right now for the Detroit News and you have no help in Lansing, uh, I hope they get you some help. But, look, I understand you went up to Mackinac Island last weekend. It was the 33rd Biennial Michigan Republican Leadership Conference. That's what they bill it as. And as I understand it, that was probably the first one you ever went to. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I you know, I went to the chamber event on Mackinac Island in May, um, but this is the first Republican leadership conference I've been to. Right. Um, so it was it was definitely a, a learning experience. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Since you went to the Chamber of Commerce conference on the island in May, I mean, what is the comparison between the two conferences that you would make? I mean, how did you feel about this particular conference and what you heard and saw and the way you were able to cover it compared to May? Yeah, so I I would say, um, you know, in May, it's it's a bigger event. They have more attendees. Uh, You see a lot more lobbyists at the May convention. There are still some um, at the Republican Leadership Conference as well, but definitely more um, at the May event. Um, And also at the Republican Leadership Conference, um, understandably, you have a much more concentrated message, um, you know, that's very tailored to the Republican, um, the Republican message at this point. Um, And also, you know, even the guests. You know, this this time around, they had a lot of people from D.C. coming in to speak. Among them was Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, House Minority Leader McCarthy, and Vice President Pence. So they they had a pretty full DACA, um, you know, and there was... uh, so I would say at the May event with the chamber, you know, the the big news ahead of that event and leading into that event was the passage of the uh, no-fault auto insurance reform. So there was a lot of buzz around that. And, of course, Governor Whitmer signed that bill on the island. And then I would say that heading into the Republican Leadership Conference, the, the big legislative um, accomplishment that they saw was was the um, the adoption of the k-12 school aid budget um, which of course they had house democratic support for um, when they passed it on on Thursday so there was a lot of talk about that and and what was ahead because of course this week as we know they they adopted the rest of the budgets to send to Governor Whitmer. Um, so different messaging, same island. Yeah, and of course, in May and June, I mean, that is a bipartisan uh, Chamber of Commerce event. I mean, there, there are a lot of Democrats, a lot of Republicans, a lot of people not affiliated with either party. There wasn't a consistent uh, partisan political tone to it as there was, as you pointed out, uh, last weekend on the island. Uh, you had Mike Shirk the Senate Majority Leader, I think, was there, and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Lee Chatfield, were there. Did you get a chance to hear them at all? Did they say anything about uh, the budget and uh, how they've handled it vis-a-vis Governor Gretchen Whitmer and what they might expect or hope for or predict is going to happen this weekend uh, as we speak? Because we do not know what Governor Whitmer is going to do, how she's going to react to these budget bills. And the end of the fiscal year is Monday, September 30th, and the new fiscal year starts the very next day, Tuesday, October 1st, 
And, you know, there could be a partial government shutdown. Probably not, but maybe. We don't know. Uh, what about that? Was there much talk about that on the island? Uh, did they discuss it? You know, they um, there there was, as as you mentioned, this was, a, uh, you know, the, the Republican leadership conference. It was very partisan. They were very proud of the legislature's accomplishment um, in getting Democratic support, at least in the House, for that school aid budget that they passed on Thursday. Um, you know, Senate Majority Leader Shirky and House Speaker Lee Chatfield, um, they were pretty on on message up there about their plans for the budget and the fact that they were going to present these budgets to the governor, and then it was up to her to decide what to do moving forward. Um, and, you know, they they seem to have stuck to their to their guns this week as they passed in a really rapid fire session on Tuesday um, past the the 15 other budget bills that um, are making their way to Governor Whitmer's desk. Now, Governor Whitmer has been um, careful to point out that, you know, the school aid budget, I think it might have gotten to her desk just yesterday because it has to be reviewed by clerks. So the time frame for her to review those budgets is is pretty slim. And if, if she were to veto or line item veto a, a section uh, that the legislature wanted to respond to, they, they really don't have a chance to before the deadline September 30th at midnight. Um, from what I understand, they are not going to hold any session days until October 2nd. Um, I guess they could always schedule one last minute, but um, they don't have any plans to before this deadline. So, yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens over the weekend. Um, I guess it, it is in the governor's hands at this point, but it is just recently in the governor's hands in terms of the budget getting to her desk. Yeah, uh, when we look at the speeches that were given on Mackinac Island, uh, did you have a chance to listen to any of the speeches? Uh, you may not know this, but in previous years, uh, most of these speeches were given in the main dining room as kind of part of the meal program at the end of each meal, whatever it was, a breakfast, lunch, or dinner, a speaker would get up or several speakers and they would speak in the center of the room near the windows. But of course, it's a huge room with a lot of columns. And as I understand it, they really changed the format this year and they only had one speech given there. And otherwise, all the speeches were up in what's called the theater, the grand theater. Uh, What about that? Yeah, so they did. Um, the 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 majority of the addresses that were up there were in the theater, um, and you know, from from the perspective of the press, it's a little bit easier to cover those from the media room through a live stream. Right. So that's right. largely what we did. But um, but yeah, uh, House Minority Leader McCarthy was the only one to address folks in the dining room oh. during dinner on the last night. Very interesting. Listen, we could keep talking about this. You've given a great overview with fresh eyes, uh, not biased by anything you saw in the past. From Beth LeBlanc, who is the main and only reporter for the Detroit News in Lansing covering the state capitol. Thank you so much, Beth LeBlanc. No problem. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned with Senator John Bumstead of the 34th Senate District, and that is a district 
that includes Nuevo, Oceana, and Muskegon counties, including the city of Muskegon, a pretty big outstate city. Uh, John Bumstead, state senator, welcome to the Political Insider. Good morning. Glad to be here. Now, Senator Bumstead, you actually, I think, live in Nuevo County, right? Where are you in Fremont? Actually, I was born in Fremont, but basically uh, raised in Nuevo. I, I got both it. still live in Nuevo, and family lives in Nuevo. We go back on both sides close to 100 years. Wow. And you have a construction business, don't you, up there? Uh, isn't that what you've done over time before you got into yep. politics? Yeah, I did uh, build custom homes for almost 35 years. Then when I ran for state house, um, my son-in-law kind of took over, and uh, that's how it's been ever since. And I get called, I just turn them over to him. <laughs> well, you served three two-year terms in the state house. I think you were elected in 2010, 2012, 2014. You were term limited. You sat out two years, and then you came back, and you won a heavily contested Republican primary. Uh, and then you won the general election in 2018, which was not a good year for Republicans. But, boy, you made it work in the 34th Senate District so congratulations on your victory, and now you are candidate vice chair of the Appropriations Committee in the State Senate. You're also, I think, vice chair of the Natural Resources Policy Committee, and I believe you are uh, vice chair, or excuse me, you're chairman of the uh, Appropriations Subcommittee on Natural Resources and, and uh, Environmental Quality. Is that correct? Correct. And, and, and those that, are my passions. Yeah, and, and you've also got some other uh, committees and subcommittee assignments. What are they? Oh, I sit on general government, uh, education policy, and approach. Uh, capital, and I'm not on capital outlay. I wish I was. I always left capital outlay. But I'm on several different committees. But my, my passion and the ones we meet on the most are the DNR issues, policy and approach, and the uh, Eagle, the new Eagle uh, uh, division, which is the old DEQ, of course, and the water quality issues in West Michigan along the lake shore. And I live on the Muskegon River, and uh, those are very big issues, and I know those issues very well, and I'm, I'm actually thrilled to be chairing that. Well, you really cover the waterfront with all your committee assignments. So, look, I'm just going to ask you, at this point, it really is an uh, almost unprecedented kind of situation we have here Nothing quite like it uh, in previous years, uh, 2009, 2007. There was something like this uh, back in 1991. There was some shenanigans going on involving the budget and an interface between the legislature and the governor, whoever they were at that time. You've got a situation now with the fiscal year ending this coming Monday, September 30th, the new fiscal year starts the next day, Tuesday, October 1st. Uh, and you have just completed sending to Governor Gretchen Whitmer all the budget bills. I think they're all going to be on her desk by 5 p.m. this afternoon. She's got maybe half of them at uh, the time we're talking, uh, but she's got very little time to act before the start of the next fiscal year. How do you look at this whole process? I believe you, P. 
people in the Senate and State House have decided at this point not to try to meet on Monday, September 30th to react to whatever she might do. You're not scheduled to meet again until Wednesday, October 2nd. Uh, what about this whole process and, and what's happened? You never had anything like this when you were in the House because you had a Republican governor, Rick Snyder, and you had a Republican-controlled House and Senate. Now it's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if in emergency, we need to come back in. We can come in over the weekend or on a Monday uh, if need be. But I, I think at the end of the day... Uh, the governor's going to like the majority of the budgets, like the bu- two budgets that I have, a DNR and a DEQ budget, or the Eagle budget. I work very closely with uh, the directors, and they pretty much got everything they want. The governor wanted an additional $120 million in the Eagle budget for a lot of water quality issues, testing, and those types of things, grants for local communities, and that's in there. So I, I'm in the past out of the, the Senate, 38-0. So we work very closely with our uh, allies across the aisle, and uh, uh, we put out a pretty good DEQ and DNR budget. So I think we're not going to have a problem there. I think it's mostly going to be in uh, in transportation. Yes. So you're saying that even though the announcement has been that the House and Senate aren't going to come back until Wednesday, October 2nd, you at least in the Senate, and maybe the House as well, are prepared to come in over this weekend. I mean, we're airing right now on Saturday and Sunday over the weekend, um, and that could happen, or you could come back uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, October, excuse me, September 30th, right? Yeah, we, we, everybody wants to avoid a government shutdown, and that's not good for anybody. We want to make sure everybody gets their paychecks and they're doing the, the job for the people of Michigan and, and uh the government shutdown isn't on anybody's agenda right now, and hopefully you can avoid that. Right. Uh, well, it sounds to me like you've taken care of business with your budgets, and you think transportation is going to be the sticking point. Now, as I understand it, uh, the legislature has sent Governor Whitmer um, money for fix-the-damn roads, uh, maybe $400, $500 million. That she says, uh, I really don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I want to save all the discussion for later. So what's going to happen? Well, you know, when, when in 2015, when that we passed that road package, all I heard back then, this will fix it, this will fix it, this will fix it. And it seems like the more you, more money you put towards things, it's never enough. And, uh, you know, we haven't fully collected all of that tax money, that road money yet as well. And uh, what I'm hearing out there is, uh, let's see what that money gets us. We're going to be close to spending $5.4 billion a year on roads. And there's orange barrels everywhere, as we all know. And uh, like I told people this morning, I was at a chamber breakfast. I had five different ways to get to Lansing or Muskegon, and they're all new. And I, and I think the southeast corner of the state where there's more traffic, you know, I'm sure the roads are bad. But in western Michigan and uh, my county, uh, there's been a lot, a lot of local money uh, put towards the roads as well. And so they're not as in bad a shape as, as uh, southeast Michigan. And, uh, and I think we need to look at, you know, concentrate there. But we just want to make sure it's going to be fair to everybody, whatever we get past. Well, the 
governor is complaining that you guys in the legislature waited until the last minute to send her all these budget bills, and she said you should have sent them to her long ago and that you took the summer off and uh, spent two months, uh, you know, fishing or (laughs) going on vacation or whatever. Um, And, of course, you know, the Senate and House, Republican leadership anyway, had the attitude, if the governor will not consider anything we send her unless it has what she considers to be adequate money for fix the damn roads, and we don't want to uh, hike gas taxes 45 cents per gallon, which is what she's recommending, uh, we, you know, might as well just keep negotiating and see if she changes her mind. Finally, three weeks ago, she says, well, you know what? Forget about what I said about coupling uh, fix the damn roads money with the budget. Uh, Uncouple them. Just send me a budget and uh, we'll discuss the fix the damn roads issue later. Well, at that point, the legislature said, oh, okay, we can concentrate on the budget, which is what we wanted to do all along. So now we'll send you a budget. So look, I'm going to let you hold that thought. And when we come back, I want you to answer what your reaction is to what the governor is complaining about now, not getting the budget bills soon enough. We'll be back with Senator John Bumstead of Nuevo County, 34th District, in just a minute. Stay tuned. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back, and I ended the last segment with a very long-winded question. Sorry about that, that I did not give the senator a chance to answer, but now I think he's ready to answer it. I basically said, uh, you know, the governor's complaining about not getting budget bills early enough, but, of course, the House and Senate Republican leadership uh, said she didn't want anything from us. Uh, unless it had all the money, all the money, $2.5 billion worth for fix the damn roads. Hopefully she was requesting in the form of a 45 cent per gallon hike in the gasoline tax. So then three weeks late, uh, ago, she changed her mind. She said, oh, forget about the fix the damn roads money. We can talk about that later. Just send me the budget. And now she's complaining, why didn't you send me this earlier? So what do you say, Senator? Well, you know, when I came in the House in 2010, you know, you have a Republican House, Republican Senate, governors, Republicans. It's, so it's a little easier to negotiate. So if it's a new election cycle, it, we just did this past year, you know, a new House, new Senate, a lot of new members, governors new. You know, it takes a while for the governor to point her department head. It takes a while for the House and the Senate to get up to speed. A lot of new members in the House, 40-plus, so they, they're all, it's all on a learning curve. So I think a lot of it the first year is, just trying to figure out how we're going to work together. Uh, I don't think there is, you know, I don't think there's any headbutt. You know, we can have difference of opinion, but it's just with term limits in Michigan, every election cycle, it's like, as you know, it's opening a new can of worms. So I think it's a learning curve, you know, how to work together. And hopefully uh, from here on forward, we can get our budgets done in June. Because when we did it, when Governor Snyder was in there, it really helps our locals. It helps our school. Uh, to get that done in, in a little a little faster than the end of summer. 
Well, and, uh, hopefully, I'll keep my fingers crossed we can do that. Well, of course, back in 2011, which was your first year in the state house, uh, Rick Snyder was a rookie governor. You were a rookie state rep. As you say, you were all the same political party, but you did get the budget done in June of that year. So, yep. I mean, it can be done. You had big turnover, a lot of new members, but you got it done. I guess my my ultimate question is this. Let's say that Gretchen Whitmer had never uh, issued this ultimatum at the start of the year that I refuse to sign any budget unless there is adequate funding for Fix the Damn Roads in it. If she hadn't said that and, you know, just allowed the budget process to proceed naturally as it did you know, in 2011 and every year since, don't you think you could have gotten her these budget bills back in June or July? Oh, yeah, we could have, we could have had it done easily uh, by the third week of June. I yeah. think we were, we were probably ready to get a, a similar budget out as we did uh, last week, and uh, we could have done that. Right. Okay, well, that that's what I wanted to get settled and to hear from somebody in a position of real knowledge like you. So thank you. Uh, let me let me ask this question. You've got a whole bunch of other committees you serve on. You've mentioned uh, natural resources. You mentioned uh, Eagle um, Energy and um, DEQ type issues. What is out there as an issue that you really are uh, concerned about or interested in as the representative in the Senate from the 34th Senate District? Uh, you know, Oceana, Muskegon, and Nuevo counties. There, there's kind of two two uh, two areas I'd like to concentrate on. I'm in last number one is career readiness for our young people as they come out of high school, so they're ready for a job or to further education. And we have, uh, you know, when I go around to the different uh, different businesses in the district, you know, they're just clamoring; they can't find enough help. And uh, all different skill sets, and so we, we really need to concentrate on making sure these kids are ready. Kids, I call them, because young young adults are, are ready for the uh, workforce. You know, when we get them out of high school, and I think with a, a lot of the regulation we've had at the state and federal level, we need to find a way to bring that more local control back to the school districts and let them decide how to educate and get our kids ready for the workforce in their areas, because it could be different education in southeast Michigan, the west Michigan, and northern UP. And uh, let's bring some of that back to the local level instead of, you know, every kid's got to have algebra 2 and a foreign language and yada, yada. And uh, I, I, I don't think that's the best for our students. I don't think that's the best for our business businesses out there. And that, that, I'm hearing the same thing from all of them. So that, that's kind of a number one priority. The one has running for office, you know, I'm living on, I'm also a member of the Muskegon River watershed. So the water quality issues along the lake shore on our watershed is a huge issue. You know, this PFAS stuff that's kind of popped up the last few years. Right. Finding ways, finding ways for locals to uh, monitor and manage that. Finding the dollars where we can work together in, in cleaning up brownfields. That's a real huge priority to me, not just me, but everybody. That goes across party lines, Democrats, Republicans, independents. It doesn't matter. Everybody really wants what's best for our environment, for our kids. Yeah, you say you live on the Muskegon River in Nuego. What's the Muskegon River like now, and what is that watershed 
group you're part of like, and and what are the issues that you're really looking at other than PFAS? Uh, along the watershed, it's washouts, it's water quality, it's uh, it's just a, a, a plethora of things that we discuss. It's a uh, great organization. Most of the larger watersheds have a watershed council, and uh, it's really concerned citizens that want to do what's best for our uh, water, make sure uh, we can we can uh, manage our watersheds in a safe manner so it's good for the environment and good for our families. Is, they, do, they do a lot of good work. Is the fishing pretty good in the Muskegon River where you are? Yes. I live on a stretch up river from the Wago. It's called the uh, uh, Birch Run. And right now the salmon are in. fact, I'm standing in my back window out of my kitchen. And I can see two or three different salmon on their beds out front, actually. Wow. <laughs> Wow. The Muskegon River is one of the few rivers in the country. It's actually a warm and cold water river. It's a combination of the both. Well, uh, how how wide is the river there and how deep? Uh, in front of me, it's probably 300 feet wide. Right now, it's a little higher because we've had a lot of rain. It's probably four to five feet. Have you noticed that the water level is pretty high uh, all this year? I mean, like everywhere else, like the Great Lakes? Uh, it was up until middle of July, then we get the summer uh, dry up a little bit. But uh, we had a lot. It was, the water flow was pretty heavy this year. Uh, this river's drainage system it drains pretty quick, and because of our soils, most of the soils along the Muskegon River are sandy soil, so we get a lot of uh, infiltration that way. And it's a it's a fairly fast draining system. How long is the Muskegon River altogether? I mean, what's its source? Where is it? Uh, it flows through Houghton, Nuego. It doesn't start Houghton, in Nuego, Houghton, does it? Higgins, Houghton and Higgins Lake. It's the second largest river shed in the state. The Grand River is the largest, is the longest. And so, and then it just goes all the way out and it <clears throat> empties into Lake Michigan in Muskegon. Correct. goes into Muskegon Lake, which runs right into Lake Michigan. And, you know, with all the manufacturing in the Muskegon area from the early part of the the century, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, uh, cleanups. There's been a lot of brownfields, and really addressing those very well. And water quality down there is improving immensely. But we want to keep that. Uh, we want to make sure the funds are there uh, for all the different cleanups throughout the state. But it's worked very well in Muskegon because the water quality 25, 30 years ago was, was uh, poor at best because of all the different man. We didn't do things years ago very well. We just used to dump it out back, and it ran in the water. And uh, people are people are more aware today that we need to take care of our water resources. Right. You're also, I think, a, a lifetime member, if I'm not mistaken, of Safari International. Is that correct? Yep. Safari Club International. It's a conservation, education, hunting organization. I was at one time the Michigan president. So the outdoor recreation, hunting, fishing, getting our youth outdoor, conservation, wildlife conservation issues are uh, very big part of my life, and that's one of the reasons I mainly ran for office originally was I wanted to chair the DNR budget, uh, and, you know, because I kind of have a, a pulse on the outdoor issues, and uh, so far it's paid off very well, because I know all, of, all the different uh, hunting and fishing groups. We have a sportsman's caucus in Lansing, uh, attended by, I think it's almost 80% of our members are part of the sportsman's caucus. Wow. I'm chair on the Senate side of the Sportsman's Caucus. And we meet once a month with the NROB there and all the different hunting groups. 
talk about legislation that's coming up, uh, talk about the issues out there in Michigan, and uh, it's, it's a great caucus. I think it's the largest caucus in the state. I would think so. My gosh, uh, if you have that many that are members, that's something that most people just don't know about, and, and you brought it to light. I think that's very interesting. I want to thank Senator John Bumstead for taking time out of his busy day to talk to us about the budget situation in Lansing and a number of other issues. Thank you so much, Senator John Bumstead. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Same to you. That's it for this week. 